Welcome to the 33rd episode of the 4th and 24 podcast with Patrick Winograd. I'm your host, Randy Winograd. In this edition of the podcast, our topics are a recap of Patrick's weekend predictions and a deep dive into the NBA. Let's jump right in with a look back at Patrick's weekend predictions, which are posted every Thursday on our website, 4thand24.com. These predictions were all in the NBA. Let's start with the Knicks, who beat the Grizzlies 133-129 in overtime. Patrick incorrectly picked the Grizzlies. The Lakers beat the Nets 126-101. Patrick incorrectly picked the Nets. The Celtics beat the Nuggets. Another blowout game, 105-87. Patrick incorrectly picked the Nuggets. And the Heat beat the Trailblazers 107-98. Patrick correctly picked the Heat in the third of four blowouts in Patrick's predictions. Patrick went 1-3 in his NBA hoops predictions. Uh, Patrick, your thoughts? Uh, first of all, I would say don't call, don't call a nine point game a blowout. Uh, Which a nine point game? You said oh, you I, said I got bad math. <laughs> a bad math. Sorry. <laughs> don't sorry. call that a blowout. Sorry, I read eighty eight even though I said uh, ninety eight. Sorry. Yeah, and also going back, so I, I have a few uh, notes about all of these games because frankly, I had a very good chance of going four and zero. When you look at what actually happened in these games. Uh, I, I characterize this as a weekend of disappointments with my predictions, and it all started with the Grizzlies game. Uh, the Grizzlies had a 13-point fourth-quarter lead with six minutes and ten seconds left in the game. No way they're going to lose. I turned the game off. I'm going to be quite honest. Uh, they went 2-4 from the free-throw line in the final 30 seconds of the game, and they also fouled R.J. Barrett while shooting a three with 37 seconds left, and he made all, the free, all of his free-throws to tie the game. Then there was a layup, and then those two out of four free throws that I was talking about that send it to overtime were the Knicks won in overtime. So game one, shouldn't have lost that game. Grizzlies, you're messing me up. The, the, that's the kind of game it sounds like the Knicks would have played in past seasons, right? That's how the Knicks would have Oh, yeah, totally. Game. Choking a game right yep. at the end with really dumb plays. But yet, you know what? Can't fault the Grizzlies. are still in the playoff picture in the West. So that's hard. That's way harder to do than what the Knicks are doing. Let's go to uh, the biggest surprise of the week. Yeah, I was absolutely stunned by this result, though. Uh, the Nets did not have Tyler Johnson or James Harden, who you could say provide some scoring. But the Lakers were missing Kyle Kuzma, LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Wesley Matthews. The only person who starts every single game, or has this whole season, you could say, that they had is Dennis Schroeder. And KCP starts most of the games. Uh, Drummond has started, obviously, since he's been there, but he wasn't there at the beginning of the season. But the turning point in the game was double technical, or were double technical fouls assessed to Kyrie Irving and the aforementioned Dennis Schroeder. Uh, although the Lakers pretty much led wire to wire, and I think they actually might have. I don't. I don't. I don't know if the Nets actually took the lead in that game or not. Uh, it was sixty-six to sixty-two Lakers before the ejections, and the Lakers outscored the Nets sixty to thirty-nine after Kyrie went out of the game. And I would say Kyrie without Harden is probably more important than Schroeder than Schroeder without all those guys. Although point guard is a point guard is a point guard. All right, and then so your last game, uh, the, the second to last game here. The Celtics over the Nuggets. Um, this is, I, I think this is the one of the worst performances I've ever seen by any team that's as good as the Nuggets are. Frankly, it might be the worst fourth quarter performance I've seen in my entire life. Uh, they came, they were up 79 to 74 going in the fourth quarter, the Nuggets were. They were up, they then went on a 5-0 little mini run to start the quarter. In the rest of the game and the quarter, they were outscored 31-3, to including all in total, including that mini run at the beginning. They were still outscored 
31 to 8 by the Celtics in the final in the fourth quarter. That's awful. I don't know how you only managed to score eight points in the fourth in the fourth quarter. It's crazy. Well, when you start with five, <laughs> especially when you start with a five zero run, uh, and also not 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 even to to go too crazy on it, but Jason Tatum had a personal ten two run in the fourth quarter, and he had fourteen points on his own, which almost doubled the Nuggets' entire points output. Now, if you were watching the game, you know that there was a, a questionable. Uh, Nikola Jokic was trying to get a rebound, and he got pushed, and he almost had to go out of bounds, so he threw the ball away, and uh, the Celtics got a free dunk out of it. And uh, or Robert Williams got a free dunk out of it, the one point that wasn't from Jason Tatum in a span of like five minutes. Um, and Jokic got mad. Then he tried to force it on the offensive end, and the same ref did not call a foul. Then he did it two more times before Michael Malone ended up benching him because, and, you know, when you're benching the MVP candidate, he must be doing something wrong. He was just angry and just trying to force up shots and get fouls and was complaining after every shot, even though some of it was probably the delusion of not getting called for the other fouls, thinking, this one's got to be a foul, this one's got to be a foul. And he forced it all the way to the point where Tatum went down on the other end, just bucket, 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 and Jason Tatum put the game away. Uh, crazy closing. We'll get more into the Celtics later. And then, yeah, that final game was uh, the only normal game out of the four that I predicted, I would say. It was very, I mean, yes, the Blazers were up, I think, six or seven points in the at the end of the first quarter, but the rest of the game was pretty much all heat. And uh, yeah, I'd say it was a fairly normal game, especially when you compare it to these other ones. All right, well, uh, we mentioned that uh, all the predictions were NBA this week. You went 1-3 of three in those NBA predictions. Um, and we've previously talked to another podcast about your Major League Baseball predi- predictions that you're tweaking a little bit. Uh, we're still working on how we're going to do them and changing them. So for now, we're not going to count your uh, attempts to predict single games in the MLB this weekend. Hope to move to the series format next weekend, see if it works out. And uh, by the way, I'm not just not counting it because I went 2-2 two and two or 1-3 and three or whatever. I don't even remember. Um but there are, there are so many different things in baseball. There's not one set lineup that you come out with every day. So I think that's the most important thing is like you don't know who's the starting pitcher. Sometimes people change it, et cetera, et cetera. So we, we're trying to think of a format. I think the one that we're going to go with and the one that we're going to stick with is just predicting the entire like series that take place on a weekend because most of them are out of three games. So it's pretty easy to do that can't tie a three-game series. Uh, so that's probably what we're going to stick with, and we talked about it last time. But, yeah, well, I, I think that's the format we're going to stick with, but got to see it, got to test it out. Even if I go 0-4 in those predictions, if I feel like I could have had a chance to do, to do better and it was, and it's not just a straight-up 50-50 and I feel like I can put my knowledge into it, then I'll then I'll stay with it. All right, well, uh, so, th- so for this week, only going with the NBA games, Patrick was 1-3 overall, bringing him to... 102 and 63 overall, a 618 winning percentage. Hey, you know what? I would still be probably the number one overall seed in the MLB playoffs with that through 162 games if you take some of those games off. So I'll take it. <laughs> a 165 game season. All right. Well, Patrick's uh, predictions for next weekend, including whatever new baseball format we go with, uh, will be posted on our website on Thursday. That wraps up a look back at Patrick's weekend predictions. Let's move to our weekly NBA recap and start as usual with Patrick's three most impressive teams of the week. Patrick, who's number one this week? Uh, the number one team are the Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, sorry, Lakers fans, but don't worry. You you have an appearance later on this list. Um, but I got to give it to the Clippers because they have by far the longest winning streak in the league right now. The only other one that is above three games is uh, 
It is the Boston Celtics, uh, but we'll get to them again later. But um, right, yeah, the, the Clippers right now on a five-game winning streak. Uh, very, very impressive this week. Uh, this week alone, they won four games against the Trailblazers, the Suns, the Rockets, and the Pistons. They did. Uh, they got the win over the Rockets without uh, Paul George, and they also beat the Pistons without Kawhi Leonard. There might have been some other injury rest situations in those other games. Not quite sure, but I know those ones for sure. Uh, but yeah, overall, the Clippers had a really good week. They were. Ba- I think they were the only team to go undefeated this week. All right. Well, you gave us a preview of who the other two teams are going to be, so... Which one of the two that you hinted at came in at number two? Yeah, I think, as I said, the, the longest win streak were uh, the Boston Celtics win streak, uh, but I, they were 3-1 and one this week. They actually lost the beginning of the week, so I think they were the only undefeated team, uh, the Clippers, that is. Uh, they beat the Knicks, the Timberwolves, and the Nuggets, and they lost to the Sixers. And I, I don't really care about the loss to the Sixers because, A, it happened at the beginning of the week, and if you want to talk about impressive winning three games in a row when you've been playing as inconsistently as the Celtics have been, that is pretty important. I would say it's also pretty important that they were down by five going into the fourth quarter and, and whatever details you want to go over, it's still very impressive to hold a top team in the West under 10 points. I mean, it'd be impressive to hold somebody under 25 or 20 points in the fourth quarter when you're playing like the Celtics have been playing. Uh, but when you're what with, with how the Nuggets have been playing too, because they were on an eight-game winning streak going into that game, that was an impressive, impressive win that they got at the end there. And uh, yeah, overall, just I'm really impressed that the Celtics are finally seeming like they're turning the quarter, uh, getting in, getting into the kicking into high gear as we move towards the playoffs. They're now 28 and 26. They're tied with Charlotte for the six seed. They're only uh, a game, uh, a half a game back of Miami for the five seed, and only one game back of Atlanta for the four. So frankly, they're probably about where we thought they would be at the end of the season. Just maybe some. Uh, unexpected teams next to them. Yeah, and uh, that six seed, of course, this year is all that more important because you get to you avoid the play, avoid the plan, and get an extra week of rest. All right, well, who's your third most impressive team this week in the NBA? I gave it to the Los Angeles Lakers, and people are probably in maybe Clippers fans, uh, Clippers fans, and Lakers fans, vice versa, might be mad because they don't like each other, but. Credit to go, credit goes to where credit is due. I mean, they beat the Raptors by nine without Anthony Davis or Andre Drummond and no LeBron. Then they beat the Nets by 25 without Anthony Davis, without LeBron, without Kyle Kuzma, and without Wesley Matthews. And frankly, if you're into making comparisons, that's basically what the Cavs had at the beginning of the season. <laughs> uh, and the Cavaliers, although I will say the Cavaliers did beat the Nets twice in a row at some point, if anybody remembers that, and we were all harping on how bad the Nets' defense was because they let the Cavs score 140 on them. It might be, Andre Drummond might be their worst weakness. They might just have a complete and total inability to guard Andre Drummond and only him. Uh, I think it's more center of space, but we'll see how that goes in the playoffs against Embiid and Giannis. Uh, And then their only loss of the week was to the Heat by six. And the Heat are playing pretty well recently. Uh, Also, again, no Kuzma, no no Anthony Davis, no LeBron, and Andre Drummond's first game back from his little minor injury. So, that's also kind of trying to get back into uh, into form there and kind of figuring out those chemistry issues. That, I mean, they're no, n- not necessarily issues, but you got a new teammate, you got to figure out how to play with him. It uh, doesn't help when he gets injured in the second game. <laughs> so overall, really impressed by the fact that the Lakers are playing this well with these guys injured. And it's really, we were discussing earlier this week, a lot of people, how they might slide into the play-in games. And I think now that we've seen this and we know 
when LeBron and AD might be coming back. I don't think there's any chance of that anymore. All right, we'll talk a little bit about that later. i got to probe you uh, a little bit on the Lakers, but we'll get into that uh, after we go through our usual weekly rundown. Let's uh, start with your most disappointing teams of the week. The most disappointing team is? I think, uh, before I say the team, I don't think I've ever had this team on either side of this this entire year, and they might be the last team to be on either side of this. Uh, Oklahoma City Thunder, they went 0-4. They're on a six-game losing streak. Uh... I don't like what they're doing with Al Horford, how they're just having him train at the facility but not even be on the court. He could at least be mentoring the young guys, and it's pretty obvious that they just have no intention of playing him, which uh, I think is a really advanced but like hiding-in-plain-sight form of straight-up tanking. Uh, and frankly, I don't blame them, though, because when you have that many picks, you want to have them high. I mean, obviously, they can't control what other teams do. But I think they'd rather have the number one pick and the number two pick from the Rockets rather than have some picks in the tens. But moving on from their future and their uh, apparent tanking, uh, they lost to the Pistons by 24. They lost to the Hornets. They lost to the Cavs by 27. And they lost to the 76ers by 24. I don't think I've ever seen a team lose four games in a week and lose three of them by 24+. plus. That is almost impossible to not even be competitive. And frankly, if you want to go and make some comparisons, Detroit is the last place team in the East, and they at least only lost to the Clippers tonight by less than 15 points. So getting within 24 is not very hard. Uh, they're just not playing well at all. Not trying. Not even trying. <laughs> well, let's go with the uh, number two slot, another team that's on a six-game losing streak. Yeah, it's Sacramento Kings. Uh, last week they avoided it because they had one win at the beginning of the week, and there were some teams that had – there were a bunch of teams with big losing streaks. Uh but this week, got to give it to them. They lost to the Timberwolves and the Pistons, too, who are actually last place in both of their conferences, which isn't a good look at all. And then they choked a fourth quarter. I, actually, I think I think I don't think I think the lead was gone by the fourth quarter, but it was at least a ten point third Close quarter game. lead. Yeah, against the Jazz. And there was a point I think actually with about two minutes left where it was a still a one point game. They ended up losing by sixteen points, which I don't even know how that happened, uh, frankly. But that is not the look that you want. Uh, Sacramento obviously stuck in the, in well, there was a point where they were one and a half games back of the playoffs two weeks ago from the Warriors spot. The Warriors are not winning any games recently, but they're still now three games back. And uh, the way New Orleans is playing recently, they're not on either of these lists because they've been playing incredibly average. But hey, incredibly average will get you to 10th in your conference. Uh the way New Orleans is playing, I don't think they have a chance to get into the play-in spot because there's the Warriors and New Orleans and San Antonio, who we know are well-coached, and Memphis, who were there last year. So I, I don't know how that's going to happen for them. I think they've been throwing that chance away towards the end of the season here. All right, well, who's your third most disappointing team of the week? It's got to be the Orlando Magic. Uh, Five-game losing streak, 0-3 on the week. They they did not win a single game, uh, obviously. They're 0-3. <laughs> But they lost to the Wizards, the Pacers, and the Bucks. And uh, if I'm doing some quick math here, all I got to say is I don't even need to know the margin. 124 to 87 just looks ugly, and I'm not even going to do the math because that's a lot of points. And points. Yeah. Uh, 37, 47, 57, 27, doesn't matter. Anything that has seven with it that doesn't have a one or a, or no, or a single or just the seven is a bad, bad, bad loss. And frankly... At least they kept the game with the Pacers close, but look, the Magic, they, they traded away all their assets, kind of similar to the Thunder, uh, except for the Thunder didn't even trade anybody. They're just not playing them intentionally. But 
This is not the, I mean, the Magic probably came into the season expecting to maybe make sneak into the playoffs as an eight seed like they always do. And then now they are sneaking into the number one draft pick conversation instead. Although, hey, maybe not, maybe getting bounced in the first round is a worse outcome than winning the Cade Cunningham sweepstakes. All right. Uh, who's your player of the week? It's got to be Jason Tatum. Well, it doesn't have to be because Paul George, frankly, had a really, really good week, too. But I want to give it to Jason Tatum because of what I saw today in that fourth quarter uh, against the Nuggets. He averaged 31.5 points, 8.5 rebounds, and 3.8 assists per game this week. And a career-high 53 points uh, against the Timberwolves in an overtime victory. And frankly, they needed him to win that game. And uh, if they want to round into form, they're going to have to have people step up. Him, Kemba, Jalen Brown, they all got to step up make sure that they don't have those losses to teams like the Timberwolves if they want to be in the playoffs and avoid that playing spot. But yes, as I said, the very close runner-up is Paul George. Uh, He averaged 30-plus points per game on 60% shooting. Pretty insane, but I'm sorry, Paul George. Got to give it to Jason Tatum. All right. um, Given that the NBA season is kind of winding down, we're not not the closing home stretch, but we're getting to the the part of the season where playoff spots are starting to – Get formulated. I figured um, want to just probe you with some questions. So, um, wondering multiple choice question. Let's start. Biggest surprise so far this season in the East. How well the, a how well the Hawks are doing. B how well the Hornets are doing. C how poorly the Celtics are doing. Although they didn't make your uh, list of of having an impressive performance this past week. Or D how poorly the Raptors are doing. I think it comes down to the Hornets and the Raptors. Uh, I'd say the Hawks, we'd expect this team to end up, I would say, two, three, four games above 500 uh, when they put a, put together that roster on paper, although they did lose Rajon Rondo or Rajon, however you say it. I don't know. Even though he's been in the league for forever, still so confused on that one. Rondo, uh, Rondo, Rondo, playoff Rondo. Yeah, playoff Rondo. His first name is playoff now. Um I think when you have that roster, when you have Trey Young, you, you expect that, and Clint Capella even, you expect them to be a few games above 500. I think the thing that jumps out for them is the teams that they are ahead of and the fact that they're only behind Milwaukee, Brooklyn, and Philadelphia in the standings. Although, if you look at the East, uh, it's not quite the 4-11 to clump that it used to be, but teams 4-9 through nine have only three games between them, uh, and... Atlanta and Milwaukee have four and a half between them. So they're closer to being way out of the playoffs than they are to being in the top three. Uh, And overall, I would just say you wouldn't expect 29 and 25 to be good enough for the four seed. But I I think it's about who they're ahead of, Miami and Boston, that makes it a little bit surprising. But I'd say it's marginally surprising because the Hornets picked second overall uh, or third overall. And that is... It's ridiculous, and and honestly, I said second overall because I don't even count where the Warriors picked because we knew it was a fluke year that was all because of all their injuries last year that put them so badly. But Charlotte looked... Charlotte is... I'm very, very surprised that they're this high. I was very critical of the Gordon Hayward signing. Um, I thought that was a signing that says, okay, let's go get those seven seed every year and lose in the first round. But frankly, if they're going to be playing themselves into five or six territory, I don't I don't think I think any seed six through eight is a death sentence immediately in the first round. 
But I think the four and the five seeds are not going to be that strong, and they're easily going to beat each other and then get demolished by whoever the one seed is. Because, look, Philly, Brooklyn, and Milwaukee, they're really good. But I would say... I would say the Celtics again. They, they were doing so awfully for the for a, a large part of the season, but now they're twenty eight and twenty six. They're getting there. They're turning the corner. You can see it in in front of your eyes. Kemba had some injury issues, but that's kind of common with him. Uh, the, the the biggest surprise has to be the Raptors. They are two years removed from a championship finish, and now they are behind the Chicago Bulls in the Eastern Conference standings. That is nowhere near where I thought. Uh, Tied with the Wizards in the loss column. Yeah, I mean it's 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 great, and only one ahead of the Cavaliers. Um, it is it is crazy how bad the Raptors are playing. Uh, I never expected that this year they'd be in sell mode at the trade deadline. Although with Gary Trent scoring forty four points in a game, maybe it wasn't a sell. Maybe it was more of an even trade, just trying to add depth. Uh, but I I I I don't get how it really happened, but. You went from the Eastern Conference semifinals with Boston and Toronto to now a 7 and an 11 seed there. But again, it was a really close series and Boston barely made it through. So I would say the team that ends up in the 7th spot is a little less surprising than the team who ends up in the 11th spot. So yeah, I got to give it to the Raptors overall. All right, well, let's stay Let's stay in the East um, with my next question. It's something you hinted at in terms of the, sort of the cluster at the top of the East standings and really the differential between the top three seeds. So... The top and the rest of the league. The top three seeds in the East right now are the 76ers and the Nets, who are tied for the first seed, and then the Bucks are in the third place. And as there's this, this aforementioned big drop-off of the next tier of teams, getting the number one seed is critical because you really don't have to face anybody tough until, assuming everything's holds true to form, until the conference championships. So do the Bucks have a chance of getting the one seed and therefore avoiding the 76ers and Nets until the conference championships? I don't think so because three games back of Philly and Brooklyn is too it's too much. Um, Philly has even played a significant amount of games without Joel Embiid. Brooklyn has played a large majority of their games without Kevin Durant. Uh, I don't think I think their big threes only played four or five games together as far as I can remember because KD got injured four or five games after the Harden trade and. Uh, Kyrie was injured a few of those games, arresting, and now you have Harden out right now, and before it was Kyrie and Harden, and some some of them would be off one night, one the other. Anyway, uh, Kyrie's now out for personal reasons for a few games now, so now you only have Kevin Durant. They, with that, with that many injury issues, the fact that they're still three games ahead of Milwaukee, they're going to get healthy, and they're going to stop taking games off for rest at the end of the season. Same as Philly with Joel Embiid, and I mean, he wasn't resting, but... His injury is now healed. I don't see them catching. I just don't see them catching Brooklyn or Philly because I think they're just going to turn it up at the end of the season. However, I would raise the fact that I think that Miami is the worst matchup in the East for for uh, Milwaukee, and I think that they'd much rather. I, I I don't think you'd much rather play the Nets in general or or Philly in general. But if it's going to shake out anyway, I think the best outcome for them is for it to shake out with. Uh, Philly at the two seed and Brooklyn at the one. I think that's the best thing because I don't think they're getting the one. So I think best case scenario, they stay at three and you get Philly sliding down to two rather than them being at two. And I don't, because I do not like that matchup with Miami with them. I never liked it last season and it ended up coming back to bite them. They got bounced by Miami last year. I think it would repeat itself this year. 
All right, let's uh, one more question in the East, and, and we will. We've we've talked a little bit about these teams. Let's focus now on the bottom, um, and the team that we talked about uh, previously, the Raptors. If you look at the bottom of the playoffs in the East, the Bulls are in are currently in the last play-in spot uh, at the number ten slot. They're two games in front of the Raptors for that last play-in spot, three in front of the Wizards, and three and a half in front of the Cavs. Does anyone besides the Raptors have a chance to get into that tenth spot for the play-in game? And do the Raptors have a chance? Uh, it's tough. It's really tough. Um, I'd say the Cavs don't have a chance just because talent-wise on their roster, there's just not much there, especially without Andre Drummond now, and uh, they're probably going to try to keep the young guys healthy. I know Darius Garland and Colin Sexton missed a game tonight, so if that's going to keep happening, they have no chance. I'd say Washington. I'd say that they're, they, I don't think their roster is as good as Chicago's, frankly, but I think their star power is enough that they can take a few games off of really high high level teams, which they've done all season long. And if they can, at the end of the season, figure out a way to take care of the business against the lower ranked teams, maybe beat the Bulls a couple times that they play them, I think they could get there. And then I think the Raptors, just because they are only two games out, you can't really just completely count them out. Although I would say I would I would if I had to choose between Washington and Toronto I might actually say Washington has a better chance of getting in the ten spot. Wow! All right, let's uh, let's move over to the West, where the Phoenix Suns are currently the number two seed in the Western Conference. Are they for real, and will they hold on to that slot? I think they're for real. I definitely think they're for real. I don't know if they will hold on to the spot, but I don't know. I don't frankly think that has anything to do with. How for real they are, I think it just has to do with the fact that uh, Utah is just so much better than everybody else, at least regular season-wise. I mean, look, they've won 24 in a row at home. What are you going to do about it? Um, And I I think the only thing—I think there's only one team that could pass up Phoenix. I don't think they get to the four spot at all, uh, barring LeBron coming back in the next two weeks and Anthony Davis coming back in the next two weeks and the Lakers literally going 20-0 to end the season. I don't think that Phoenix can slip— uh, four and a half games back in about 20 or so games. I mean, they've played 52. There's only 72 this season. So 20 games to slip four and a half, I think is too much. And I think they're I think they're better than Denver by enough or at least close enough to them that Denver's not going to make up three and a half games on them. I think the only team that has a chance is the Clippers. Uh, they're only one and a half games back of them. And the Clippers do have that tiebreaker in the regular season, although I'm not sure if that even matters with the COVID season and what's going on there. But I, I think one and a half for a team that's probably more talented than them uh, sufficiently, pretty easily, I would say they probably have the only chance to take Phoenix off that Clippers. two seed. Yeah, the Clippers. But they, they, I still think that Phoenix will keep it. I, I think same number of wins. They have three in the loss column above the, above the Suns. You can always add on wins, but you cannot erase losses. All right. Well, are the speak, sticking with the Suns, um, are they the biggest surprise in the NBA this year? If not, who is? It, it's tough. It's between them and Utah, I would say. Um, and you could maybe make the argument for Philadelphia, although I think last year everybody make the, made the argument that they would be the one seed. A lot of people thought they were a one seed kind of a team. So if that was what we thought they were last year, this year they're not thinking that this year they're... they're uh, I mean, they underachieved last year, obviously, but at the same time, we knew what they were made out of. We knew that they could be this good. So I don't think they're that surprising. But I think most people had the Suns 
at the seven six level. I mean, nobody could predict, could have predict how many games that everybody would miss on the Lakers and on the Clippers. But I think most people had them seven six, maybe eight even, considering that the Warriors are there. Uh, you look at who's in sixth; it's Portland. You look at who's in seventh; it's Dallas. Look, the West is just stacked. So frankly. I don't think it has anything to do with people thinking they were bad. I think it's just people knowing that the West is just too good to get this high without some luck. And I think it all fell. I think the chips fell into the right places for them with the Lakers getting injured. Because I think, frankly, with the Lakers healthy, I'd say they're probably in the third spot with a tight race for with the Clippers for the fourth spot. So I, I do think, though, that they are the biggest surprise. I think the Jazz would would be the second uh, would be the second biggest surprise. And honestly, maybe if you want to go third, I would say probably Houston being this bad still because they got nothing out of the James Harden trade. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, but yeah, I'd say biggest surprise positively for sure, Phoenix. So you keep uh, you keep previewing or dabbling into my questions without me getting a chance to ask them. So um, the injury-riddled Lakers, we were just talking about them. They're currently in the fifth spot in the West. They're three games behind the Clippers for the third slot. Four and a half back of Phoenix for the number two slot, and seven back of the Jazz for the number one. As it stands, the Lakers, even if they move up one slot, they're going to have to go through three of the top four seeds in the West just to get back to the NBA Finals, assuming there are no upsets. A very, very tough road before even getting to the NBA Finals. So if they're looking to repeat, that's going to be a very tough road. You sort of answered this question. I'll ask it just definitively. Uh, you had, you answered it when I was talking about the, when we were talking about the Suns, but... Do you think the Lakers can get back to one of the top three seeds in the West? Well, I did answer that I don't think they can get back to the top two seeds, but I do think they can get back to the top three because it is only three games compared to four and a half. Uh, That's a huge difference. And frankly, they're one back in the loss column of Denver and two back in the loss column of the Clippers. So if the Clippers go, uh, they, they take some losses, maybe six, seven at the end of the year, and the year about 12 and 6 on that kind of a stretch. You could see I could see the Lakers going 15 and 5 and getting enough games to tie them or get over them for that seed and uh I, I think it's possible. Do it. Well, 15 and 5 if they're 12 and 6, three games difference between those actually. So, uh well, sorry, 15 and 3 obviously is what <laughs> I meant, but um I don't they have they've actually played less games though than the Clippers, gotcha. so okay. there, there's yeah, a. Okay. I'm throwing out hypothetical records, yes. not yes. not straight up. I know how many games they've played, but um, there is. I, I think there's a slim, but it's not it's not nothing chance, and especially because there have been rumors uh, that Anthony Davis is going to come back in the next week or two, and that LeBron is coming in about two and a half weeks. So at about at the end of the week, two three weeks from now. So I mean. They can get AD back and they can start. I mean, I've looked at their schedule. They have some weak games coming up soon. Not not necessarily weak games, but weaker games. If they can get through those games and then they can get LeBron back or maybe just Anthony Davis back before they play the Jazz twice and the Mavericks twice uh, from the 17th to the 24th, I think if they can take get them back, go 3-1 and one in that stretch and go 3-0 and oh before they come back, then you get LeBron coming back in when you play the Magic, the Wizards, and the Kings. They could really start maybe to roll that... Them. They could really start to get that roll. They could start to get on a roll right at the end of the season and roll it into May and just beat all the tough games that they have at the end against the Nuggets, the Clippers, the Blazers. They could take it into the end by just getting a little bit of momentum because they really are that good. All right. Well, uh, I have 
One other question for you, but it's not NBA related. Any other random thoughts to share uh, on the world of sports? Well, you know, some sports we don't talk about a lot. Uh, definitely one of them, I would say, is golf. So congratulations to Hideki Matsuyama for being the first Japanese player to ever win the Masters. Um Andy North previously said on ESPN that he thinks that a win for him would be worth a billion dollars for his career wow. because he would become an icon. And he said, picture this, Hideki Matsuyama in a green jacket, opening ceremony of the 2021 Olympics in Tokyo, which I would say Tokyo would probably take Hideki up on that opportunity. And also, just a great win. I mean, I think it was great. Uh I, I'm not going to television kind of, I, I, there was I, I, the, the big lead probably didn't help their ratings and definitely yeah. didn't keep my interest peaked. Uh, as a Dodgers fan, I was definitely watching Clayton Kershaw pitch instead of that, Kershaw but had Scherzer. a little bit of a side eye on it. Kershaw, I would say Kershaw against Scherzer was, was better than Matsuyama against uh, Xander Shoffley. Yeah, but I mean, four strokes back and, and Will Zalatoris. Uh, but I had a little bit of a side eye on it. I was paying attention to it, looking at the leaderboard, but, uh, I saw a six-shot lead with five holes to go, and I was like, yeah, it's probably over. So it, it was, unless there was a speed level uh, into the water twice type meltdown, it was over. So uh, I think I definitely can't speak on how what the tournament was like, but I know who the winner is, and I will always congratulate the Masters winner because we know how much that means. And definitely we will do this in the future, talking about some sorts. Maybe we don't talk about that much. And frankly, we missed it last week with the Women's National Championship. Congratulations uh, to Stanford on that one. All right. Well, that wraps this edition of the 4th and 24 podcast. Please be sure to check out our next podcast, which will be on Friday, April 16th, where we will talk about the MLB and other significant events in the world of sports. In the meantime, be sure to check out Patrick Patrick's additional content including tomorrow's NBA Power Rankings update. Which will actually be out tomorrow, I guarantee it this time. He guarantees it. If not, you get your money back. <laughs> uh, his picks for next weekend's games and his MLB Power Rankings, which are posted on Saturdays, that's all at our website, 4thand24.com. That's the number 4, T-H-A-N-D, the number 24.com. Thank you for listening.